Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Learn From Gaming Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we dig into some of our favorite games and discuss what we can learn from them and also why we like them. For those of you out there counting, this is episode 15, and it's coming at you on January 5th, 2018. I wrote down 17, though, because I'm a dum-dum. Uh, my <laughs> name is Chase Strollberg, and I'm joined Stu! by Stu Gritter. Hey. Stu, how are you today? Good, good, good. How are you? I'm good. Still getting used to it being 2018. We survived. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is a new year and we're doing things. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. For anybody keeping track, this is a much delayed episode, but that's because December is bananas. Yeah. Bananas. Yeah. Um, a slightly more tropical fruit than I would have chosen for the winteriest <laughs> of winters, but yeah, there we are. Uh, it's winter berry fresh. <laughs> December is winter. <laughs> Actually, yeah, for us, if uh, if anybody's paying attention to what's going on in Ontario right now, it's pretty freaking cold. Yeah. Not as bad as the eastern seafront, but uh, yeah, and we have power still, so that's yes, cool. Yes, we have power in our negative uh, negative fifteen to twenty uh, sort of scenarios. Um, and if you're American, that's about negative two, negative three uh, Fahrenheit. Um, Give or take. Uh, my conversion is not top notch. So, uh, Stu, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to remind everybody what this podcast is about. Okay, that's good. So, for anybody who's new, anybody just showing up out of the wild, uh, has, has no idea what this podcast is about, we like to talk about games and the intrinsic educational value of games. So, what we do is we focus on the games that we like. We dive into them and just try to take any kind of educational value out of them. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like what we learn in school, so like spelling, arithmetic, stuff like that. That does come up. Uh, you'll find for video gaming that memorization comes up quite a lot. Mm -hmm. But um, even even weird stuff like uh, narrative recognition, like um, just picking up on, on cues in a story... Uh, the way that you learn geography because you have to navigate a map in a game. Like, that is all really cool stuff that you learn through the mechanics of the game. And we're sort of here to celebrate that and illuminate it for anybody who isn't really thinking about it. Yeah. So, thanks for tuning in. Um, so, right off the top, Stu, was there anything you wanted to discuss? Um, nothing major has happened. We've had New Year's and stuff, so hopefully everyone is, is doing well, being happy, all the good things. <laughs> yeah, Happy New Year. Yeah, yeah. Happy that's, New Year uh, to the listeners. That's, uh, that's, unfortunately, that's all I got. <laughs> okay, no, that's fine. Uh, celebrating a new year is better than not celebrating a new year. Yeah. Um... I also don't have a lot, so let's just jump right into the next section, which is what we learned this week, or in this case, month. So uh, this is the segment of the show where we discuss things we learned about gaming this month. <laughs> Stu and I love tech and gaming, so if you ever have a story you want us to discuss, just email us at learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and yeah. We'd, we'd love to get an email from anyone. So <laughs> go right ahead. Go right ahead. We have an email today, but it's a carryover from another episode. So we like emails. Yeah. Um, so uh, one thing that I learned uh, mm. this month is gaming disorder is not yet recognized as a thing, even though the press is really, well, gaming disorder, gaming addiction, yeah. um, it is being vetted. 
right now. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of that is getting lost in the media, um, and it's just being sensationalized to the moon. There's a lot of inconsistencies in the, uh, research and the reporting of it. Basically, there's a lot of holes, and if you hold it in front of, uh, any objective scientist, they're just sort of like, you've got to do more work and maybe try a little harder. (laughs) Um, But according to the media, it's a thing and we should, you know, we should pay attention. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you shouldn't pay attention to some of the data. I'm just saying that we need to give this a little bit more time to develop um, and be more of a concrete thing. And the press needs to give its head a shake and really just report the news, not their interpretation of it. Yeah. (laughs) Because... That's dangerous. That's, that is how it's called you fair get, and balanced. Yeah, it's yeah, okay. That, well, I mean also it's <laughs> 2018 now. It was 2017. It was kind of a fitting way to end the, the year like with more misrepresentation of facts. Yeah, uh, why not? That's always great. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Um sorry. <laughs> On uh <laughs> let's uh yeah, so it's interesting to me because that that could the science of that breaks down into other things like cell phones, like text messaging, Instagram, Facebook, like that, that connection, those dopamine releases. So that, that could be really, that would be really interesting to see where that science goes. Oh, I mean, it is incredibly interesting science. It's, uh, taking the time to really sort of document and lay things out. But again, if it's not being done right, if, uh, if the, quantitative analysis and and uh, sorry i'm just getting lost um like if if it's not being done right and it's biased that's problematic yeah right yeah Um, well that's yeah everything's like that yeah like biased stuff doesn't work yeah it's crappy poopy Um, do better science dude yeah uh i i'm gonna keep following this i want to i want to read as much on it as i can uh the trick is finding time uh but Mm. i am deeply interested in it and i definitely want to make sure that we don't misrepresent what is going on yeah um so yeah i'm gonna try and stay on top of that if i can um did you want to say anything else about that no no Okay. okay So then the next thing I wanted to talk about was I was listening to uh, my regular podcast as I was working the other day, and I came across an idle, it was an idle weekend podcast. It was for uh, December 31st, and its name was Home Life, um, and Western culture desire for a home is sort of the takeaway that I got from it, and those were the only notes that I wrote. And right <laughs> now I'm scrambling to figure out why I wrote them, <laughs> but I just remembered. Okay, yeah. so it was... Uh, it was Danielle and Rob, Rob, Robert, Danielle and Rob uh, Zachney. They were just uh, discussing the the sort of uh, shift in gaming. Um, we're we're starting to see some things. I think there was a like a reference to Night in the Woods, and uh, but also specifically uh, Stardew Valley, which I'm going to talk about later because it's a game that I have been playing. Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, like, what is the appeal of um, either, like, dwelling in these things where you go back home or you go to a pastoral sort of... I mean, uh, Night in the Woods is, like, you go back to the Rust Belt and your entire world has changed. 
<laughs> right? Like your home isn't really your home anymore. And all the people you knew are changing mostly not for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, but Stardew Valley is you, yeah, like without spoiling anything, like within the first two minutes, it's like your grandfather's on his deathbed, um, gives you a letter, says, hey, this is a deed to my farm. If you ever get sick of contemporary life, just go there. It's somewhere you can just be. And then you see yourself a few years later, you're working for a giant corporation and you just burn out and you're just like, okay. And you just go and you decide to work on that farm for the rest of your life. And I'm playing that game. And the suggestion of the podcast is what if Western culture desires this sense of home because we are hitting generations that might not be able to afford things like houses or farms or a pastoral collection of acres. Hmm. Uh, which was something that until I listened to that pod, I guess it was sort of a little intuitive. Like th- this, this shit is happening um, around, around me. Like I see people who are not in a situation as good as I am often. Um, yeah. There are some people our age who just can't seem to get their shit together. I assume that happened every generation, but I guess maybe it didn't. Um, maybe, but maybe, like, maybe not to this yeah, degree. Yeah, to this extent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know now as I get older, as I'm going through my 30s, a lot more people are getting on their feet and establishing themselves and things are starting to smooth out. But this is a Canadian experience. I'm not sure if it's the same thing yeah. in the States. Um. Also, there's a real possibility that things could get shooken up again, right? There's a suggestion yeah. that Canada might go into a recession. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll just see. But I, uh, here, I, go ahead. I guess my, my immediate devil's advocate is yeah. uh, Animal Crossing was a very, <laughs> very successful. Still is. Fair. Yeah. Very successful game yeah. that's kind of, you know, a similar theme. And same with uh, Harvest Moon. And Har- yeah. Harvest well, Moon I was mean, wildly popular, and that that yeah. was appealing to a much younger market. I think when it the first ho- came out, yeah, yeah, and I think that a lot of the Stardew Valley players are probably familiar. Maybe, maybe that's saying something. Maybe that that could be wildly inaccurate. I think there are many Stardew Valley players who were very familiar with Harvest Moon. Yes, that's a safe bet. Harvest Moon and probably Animal Crossing, yeah. uh, both. Um, and I, I would agree. Um, but uh, again, the the question is just the broad appeal. Why, Mm -hmm. why is a farm simulator something that sells well? I don't know. And appeals. Like we got, we've got buddies playing like trucking simulator. Yeah, I know. That's so weird. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. I don't, I don't get it. Never want to do. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it it is. It's just a thing, but I mean, I am playing, I am playing Stardew Valley and I guess I'll talk about my experience with it later. It's just, um, that was an angle I hadn't really thought of. Um, and something that sort of struck quotation marks home. Um, yeah, there, the, like it was almost luck and circumstance that I now own a house and have a decent job. Right. And all of that happened within the last two years before that things were still really, really shaky. shaky right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without, without my wife and without the help of our family. So, um, like happy story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so far it looks like it's going to have a good end, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> 
but like not th- that hasn't happened for everybody that we know um yeah, and for, for sure. some people it may not right yeah i guess that's the scary part yeah i could see that yeah um so yeah enough of socioeconomic Hooray! stuff <laughs> uh, let's get into to get decadence serious. and hobby <laughs> uh yeah let's uh let's start talking about um what we learned from games so oh. Stu, you and i made a decision we did we made a decision because we just keep talking about the stuff and um this is not episode 10 this is not masters of orion 2 no nope. we have decided that we would both like to talk about War Machine and Hordes, which is a tabletop miniatures game. So <laughs> this is the section you've all been waiting for. And surprise, it's not a video game episode. Nope. It's a miniatures game episode. Yeah, tabletop. Woo! All right. So, Stu, I'm going to do a little bit of intro on this game, and then we can move into our interpretations and engagements with it, okay? Beautiful. Okay. So I'm going to start with information. So the game names are War Machine and Hordes. They were designed by Privateer Press. They were published and produced by Privateer Press and are sold by Privateer Press. So they're, it's still going to this day. I believe it's in its third iteration, yep. uh, third edition right now. Uh, War Machine, which came first, uh, was published in 2003. And uh, Hordes was, I think, one or two years later. Um, now, there are uh, minor... Mechanics differences, we'll get into that in a second, but in terms of genre type, it's a turn-based miniatures scrimmage game for tabletop. So that means you buy the models, you assemble the models, you paint them if you want to. Mm-hmm. Generally, you're encouraged to. Um, and then you use them with a rule book and uh, various other peripherals, so like measuring tapes, dice, um, to play, uh, basically make war on a tabletop. Um, so core mechanics... Uh, it, the core mechanics of the game are you choose a caster or a warlock and build a small warband uh, war around them using a points system uh, that comes out of the book and the army books for whatever whatever faction you choose to work from. Uh, you then take turns, uh, each player, either trying to kill each other or I believe that there has been a bit of a shift towards objective, uh, object, objective play as well. Yeah. Um, so, Stu... Let's talk about this game. Let's. Um, why don't we get into some personal engagement? Um, I was almost ground floor with this. I was a couple of years late, but this game took a few years to get its legs. Uh, my friend Jamie Tubbs actually introduced me to it. He was, like, super excited because the aesthetic is great. <laughs> yes. Right? Like, it is just such an interesting, oh, yeah. unique game. It, it takes from quite a few other genres, but, like steampunk steampunk robots and and like steampunk magicians or alternatively if you're playing hordes just like um <laughs> dirt mystics Big beasties yeah <laughs> yeah and uh and like trolls um and yeah. the, a crazy roman empire from across the void um yeah <laughs> like uh and by roman i mean like the uh, actually more draconian so like just uh, and when i say draconian i mean like in the ancient sense like cruel unforgiving yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> very yeah very inconsiderate folk those scorn um but uh yeah just um I got into it back when I got into it. It was, it was literally a skirmish game. It was like, yeah. you got the caster, you got a couple of monsters that the, the caster could work with, or you got a couple of uh, robots. So, um, 
warjacks that the caster could work with. Yeah. And you just played with your friends. It came right out of the box. Like you just bought a, a faction box and that's what you had. Um, but how did you get involved in the game, Stu? Uh, I was, uh, I seem to recall living with some dude who decided to, I th- you bought me that freaking core rulebook, didn't you, you SOB? I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have bought you a few models, too, just to get you going. Um, and uh, I remember buying you the book. And then I think I went out and immediately bought, there was a uh, an additional compendium. It was, the, they didn't do that very often, but the, uh, for the, it was a new faction at the at time. At the time. <laughs> at the time, yes. Now they're, now they're old hat. Yeah, now they're core, but... Um, yeah, and because I had been looking at other tabletop war games and not making the plunge, because I'd priced out a couple of Warhammer armies, and uh, oh, Warhammer, oh you, man, yeah, like that—that's them, oh them's, them's prices, pricey, yep. pricey armies, and very daunting to get into the first time. Uh, one of the the other things that makes War Machine of Hordes easier to get into is that. Yeah, when you're starting, it's not a lot of pieces. They're, they're, you're not playing with, you know, units of, of 50, 50 dudes on a tray. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, like you said, oh. starting out with those battle boxes, you have your caster. He's the important dude. And then you have a really big robot, and he's a big robot. And then you have a slightly smaller robot that's still really big. And it's simple. You can, yeah. you can get and into that. You can look at it. You can look at the table and immediately recognize, you know, what everyone is, what things are. Like, big robot, scary. Small robot, a little bit less scary. Still kind of scary because other than that, you got this little dude with a stick. And dude with a <laughs> stick versus giant-ass <laughs> robot usually, well, goes, depending, usually goes one way. Yeah. yeah, depending on the capabilities of the dude with the stick, yeah. I would argue that there are some casters oh. that will ruin anything. Oh, well, yeah, but, uh, that happens, that happens. Yeah, um, so, okay, we're going to get into some of the the educational concepts that came out mm. of this. Um, now, you would have learned, uh, for your very first time, I'm expecting, uh, assembly for for modeling <laughs> how to glue your of, fingers together yeah how to glue your fingers together <laughs> you chose to go with epoxy i generally go with super glue oh, yeah. but there's all kinds of other things you can do like pinning where you drill little holes into the guys and you use like pieces of paper clip and you glue them together yeah um I, how did your epoxy guys hold together did they ever fall apart the, okay there are a couple stories about this number one the epoxy was almost mandatory for I had, uh, I, the first faction that I got was Retribution of Syrah. They're like space elves and everybody made fun of them because they're dainty. space elves and they're yeah, yeah super dainty, super clean. Like it's this cyberpunk thing. And suddenly these dudes with like pure clean white armor, like showed up. It was weird and creepy space elves. Yeah. Um, so they had dudes with crossbows and the, the crossbow crosses, I think was it. Where they had bolts, I'm not sure. I don't. I forget exactly which part of it. It was a tiny, tiny, tiny part that that you had to put on. Everyone's always fell off all of the time. I had no problem. I let the epoxy get a bit sticky, and you could like tie an epoxy knot around the some bitch, and it wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> That's the, awesome. The other epoxy thing yeah. was my sentinels. 
I dropped a tray of sentinels. Yeah. Sentinels are normal elf dudes holding big-ass two-handed swords that are as big as the elves themselves. Uh, none of the epoxy joints broke. Hmm. Two of the pewter... Were they pewter? Two of the swords yeah, broke. They're, yeah. Uh, when we were playing... Like, I don't know about now, I think but they've when changed. we were playing, almost yeah. everything was pewter. Yeah. Yeah. So two of those pewter pieces broke. The epoxy held. That's awesome, yeah. by the way. Yeah. And that that's like from advice that we got from a guy uh, who was working in the, the store that we bought a lot of that stuff from. Yeah. He just recommended epoxy. I had never used it. I still have never used it. I use mostly just super glue. S- super glue does most stuff. I would do super... Like going back now, do super glue. If it doesn't stick, use epoxy, and then you're good. Unless you're doing straight plastics, because if you get something that is plastic, <laughs> uh, getting plastic meld, uh, yeah. that that that's, causes a chemical reaction, which just makes the, the plastic melt together. Yeah, and that you, it's kind of hard to beat that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so one of the big takeaways was learning how to assemble, and there's all kinds of different tricks uh, to that trade. Mm-hmm. I actually enjoy assembling. I haven't done it a lot lately. Yeah. Um, but uh, that that's always been one of my uh, I don't know I mean again that's like that's my Zen of the grind sort of thing like uh, you also get to choose poses and stuff and that can be quite yeah. fun yeah um, for sure you really get to sort of kit out your guys and make them unique to you and then the next step is usually painting but before you painted sometimes during assembly did you ever magnetize anything I didn't ah. But you did. You see, yeah, and that's smart because then you get you get more mileage out of, uh, especially now with the way that um, all of the war beasts and all of the war jacks yeah. are are starting to be just like different variants frame. on the same mold. Yeah. Um, so when you, that wasn't the case for everything when we started, though. But yeah, it, it's nice. It's nice now. Yeah. So that that was a lot of. So for those who aren't familiar, when you bought a warjack you would assemble it and the idea is the the core frame of it would be the same and it might have different hands and a different head so depending on what kind of guy you wanted you would glue those things on them but if they're glued on they're stuck and some people are really picky about oh can i can i substitute my dude with the sword for the dude with the hammer and they don't want you to do that. So instead, you can magnetize them. You drill into the plastic. You inset some magnets so it's nice and seamless. And it's gorgeous. It looks really good. You can make it fit well. And then you can just pop off the hands or the arms and the heads or whatever you want. And it's, you know, you get all of those war jacks or war beasts in the same kit together. Instead of having to go yeah. and buy a million of them. And it's just a little bit <laughs> of, it's just fun craft work. I don't know. Yeah. I, I really enjoy and, it. Yeah, for some reason, I always picked a faction that did not have um, the streamlined bolts yet. Oh, man. I th- oh, yeah, God. at the time, it was only Syrah, I think. Yeah, well, Sire, and they were starting to re-release the old Jacks for other other factions. So you you were starting to see oh, some of the um, Kador, things probably. like... Yeah, Kador, it was the Juggernaut, and then a few others were based on the same chassis so they could get away with it. Uh, okay. They started, yeah, um, and I don't know. I, I don't remember the game Yeah, <laughs> for the other factions. <laughs> yeah, fair. I spent too much time in Horde's Land. Yeah. Um, but uh, that doesn't mean I wouldn't be interested in going back someday. Um, 
so yeah okay yeah. so then so, sorry, painting, painting was the next step yeah painting was uh the next step traditionally um and uh Stu, you were not a huge fan of this step i don't think no and, and i used to absolutely hate it but uh, <laughs> i'll talk about how i feel about it now but you go ahead first okay uh part of the problem for me was that i was playing Syro when i started they had very bad warjacks and they had very good infantry and that meant i was painting a lot of dudes and if there's anything yeah. that you don't want to do when you don't have a lot of time and are new to painting it's paint a lot of dudes yeah, that was right in the middle of Getting, you trying to get two undergrads. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, painting skin was new. Uh, painting consistently was new. Like mixing, trying to mix colors consistently. Like, and I, this is all yeah, shit that I had. Yeah, you batch paint with stuff like yeah. that. You'd never done that before. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and, like, and I'm not a, a visual art dude. I, I can't tell my face from an ass once you've got a picture of it. Like, it's... I don't, it's, it was really, really, really tricky. I had a hard I can time. I tell your face from an ass. I'm just saying. Uh, but you tease. I get what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 there were a lot, to be fair, there were a lot of really small tricks that you could yeah. use to make things pop really well. Like, and it wasn't that much work. You could really half-ass parts of it and just touch up, like do a few finishing touches that made everything look at least presentable on a table. Yeah. Uh, but I still, yeah, I definitely did not enjoy the process enough. If if I only had an army of, say, six guys, I think I would have a much easier time sitting down and painting them all. But, yeah. But, but when any given army, especially since I change it up all the time, is going to be 20 different models, ugh, dude, it's just too much. Too, it, was, yeah. it was too much for me. I, I couldn't yeah, I, I, hear you. I couldn't sink the time. And I would love to have a painted army. It looks so awesome on the table, but... They do, yeah. Uh. Um, and that's where you can, I mean, uh, depending Some on your currency, yeah. yeah, depending on uh, your finances, you can pay people who will do it. Um, and there are, you'd be surprised, once you get into the miniature community, there are people all over the place willing to paint your army for money. I recommend yeah. checking to make sure that they're reputable first. Yeah. Um, but there are, uh, there are usually people... Um, if there's if there's a wargaming community in your community, there's probably people who will take your money and paint your stuff for you yeah. and generally do a good and job. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I, I have done that a few times. Um, I have a deep respect for the people who actually do that. I'm not sure if I'll ever do that again because I'm starting to realize that there is a lot of value in just painting stuff yourself. And I'm starting to get better than i was i i didn't even realize how good i was until i saw what some other people, some people were, were doing <laughs> were putting on the table yeah. um and then i realized okay um there are a few steps that i am not good at yet that with a little more practice i could be good at and that's mostly like highlighting yeah um because i know how to get the base colors down i know how to wash them to to get yeah. uh like i i suck at layering that is my biggest weakness, that, but fair, like, I hard. know how to, I know how to get models to a certain point where they look okay, but they don't pop. And what I need next is that that next that step, pop. which is the highlighting to make stuff pop. Yeah. Um. So a lot of my stuff when I paint it, 
it seems a little muddy and murky and then i use dry brushing to kind of clean that up yeah um and usually that's as far as i'll get it and i'll just sort of leave it there um if i ever learn how to highlight if i ever have more uh, like enough spare time i'll definitely do it mm-hmm. um but uh yeah i've i've figured out that just painting yourself is a little more satisfying because you get exactly what you want. Even if you tell a commissioned artist exactly what you want, sometimes they might do it a little differently than you imagined. And at least when you do it yourself, you get exactly what you want because you're working within your own ability. And if your own ability, like the only way for your abilities to get better is to practice. Yeah. Uh, It's just like math. You're only going to get better at it if you keep doing it. So, um, yeah, no, that's, yeah, yeah that's it, it was fair. so weird. It was one of those parts that I, I really used to hate um, because I at the end of the day, I'm doing this to play the game. Um, and the modeling, the modeling part of it is such a big part of it because you have to get this stuff together to get it on the board. Yeah. Um, but like at the end of the day, I just want to play the game. Yeah, that's right. I, um, but now nowadays, I want to play the game with the stuff that looks the way that I want it to look. So yeah, um, I'm starting to get a little snooty that way. Um, but I'm never gonna. If anybody shows up and they've got uh, a tin army, is what they call it when you, it's unpainted and it's like pure yeah, metal. Yeah. Um, I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna shit on someone for not having oh, a painted no, army. Like no. I just. I love. I love playing. So yeah. show up with whatever you got. Yeah. Right. Hell, um, use my army if you want. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay, so next up, next up for stuff. Okay, so let's actually talk about playing. This is, this in particular, Mm. this game is one of those games where you, if you can, trying to think three moves ahead. um, Goes a long way. (laughs) Yeah, goes a long way. If you can, good on you. I can't. Stu can kind of pull it off. Um, But the problem is the variables. There's like a bunch of different special rules. um, And you can really only successfully pull it off if you have that encyclopedic understanding of everything that you're facing. Yeah. Um, which is hard without a lot of play. Um, Stu, you and I, I think we played a few dozen games together on a whiteboard that we yeah. would just change the terrain on with which, uh, which, yeah. with markers, Cre- which was so highly, clever, highly, by the way. I highly recommend doing that. If you don't want to buy terrain, yeah. you just drop a whiteboard on the ground. Yeah, if you don't have terrain... Okay, yeah. If you don't have so a whiteboard, many... live with a computer science student. <laughs> yeah, there's so many life hacks to playing uh, miniatures games. Yeah. Um, and if, if, yeah, if you're a student, by the way, and there's a whiteboard around and like you're doing all this stuff on a budget... Man, yeah, a whiteboard. Like, just make sure you get like a four by six whiteboard if uh, if it's around, and just play on that. Because yeah. wow, awesome. that yeah, we uh, I think we only bought one set of markers, and even as they started to die, we just switched them out, right? Yeah, and we had all kinds of different stuff. I remember we played that one game when I was playing uh, my alligator guys, and you we actually drew a, a waterfall <laughs> that I ended up using to hide from you because you killed everything. <laughs> Um, we played like on a volcano once we, we played in a burning village. I remember yeah. with like fire, if you tried to walk through it, you'd get damaged. Um, yeah, we did all kinds of stuff yeah. and it's one of the easiest ways to do it without modeling this yeah, stuff. The, yeah. I mean, it, it, our, it our doesn't friend, look as good as, you know, actual 3d stuff, obviously. Yeah. But. Like our, our friend Charlie would probably like, he's probably rolling his eyes and almost oh, falling yeah. over dead. Yeah. 
because he loves to build stuff. Like he's a really, really good. Right now, he's specializing in uh, World War Two stuff because he's deep in bolt action, yeah. which is the uh, World War Two miniatures game. Good at that too, little bastard. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. But but also like the the amount of time that he's put into mm-hmm. it, right? Like he's got lots and lots of practice. Oh, deservedly so, yeah, yeah. Um, but the stuff he made like that that sort of like tin roof almost like brewery if you remember um whenever we would go downstairs and play uh it was sort of like a a a blue brick building i don't know if you remember but he made like a few a few buildings in that fashion and we they would always end up on the table whenever we played um yeah uh that's a whole other side that's a whole other side to it is just like actually building the terrain um to to try and really bring the game to life like really make it immersive yeah um which is something else you can learn something that Stu and I are not great at <laughs> no it did very <laughs> but, very very little of it yeah. i would love to um, be able to you know but just but yeah didn't it's happen. one more thing we don't have time for yeah. right now right and um, but it's it is really really cool but yeah I don't know. I'm just uh, like other other takeaways. Uh, there's a there's a social aspect to it too. Um, oh, yeah. That can be good and can be bad. I mean that's oh, the issue yeah. with miniature gaming. Um, <laughs> in the sterile safe circle of friends, uh, this can be a really good experience. Even if you have a rules lawyer, because sometimes rules lawyers can actually be handy. Mm. Um, but uh, when you go into the public sector of play, when you go to <laughs> things like tournaments, yeah. uh, things get a little more competitive. Yeah, People get a little meaner. Um, uh, or not meaner, just more callous and uh, yeah. win, at, win at all costs sort of personality. Yeah. Now your friend Joel, uh, I I think he's engaged in a few more tournaments than you or me, hasn't he? Uh, yes, he's done a few more than than I had. I know we we've gone to a few together, uh, a couple of them as uh, as team actually, which is yeah an interesting thing as well. But uh, he yeah he's done a little bit more. Um, yeah, and by the way, this game is for two or more players, so you can have uh, quite a few people on on the table if you want. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely meant for two. Yeah, it's meant to I, be one to one, but yeah, it's yeah. it can still be interesting in in teams too. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess uh, can you think of an example of uh, a negative encounter you had socially? Uh, in a competitive situation or or a positive both would be nice if if you've got them. Uh, yeah only at uh one one rules lawyer i know soured the experience for s- some other people that i know uh i i guess i i'm like three quarter rules lawyer myself so it doesn't bug me probably as much as it does other people i get when I notice that someone is a rules lawyer, it it means that he's the only other person that's a rules lawyer more than me, I guess. <laughs> okay, and just uh, just as <laughs> so. a point of reference for anybody who doesn't know what we mean when we mean rules lawyer, this is a person who will stop play to look into a book to confirm a rule, or who will use those rules as written um, to like. Try I'm not going to gonna say to basically break the game almost. I, I was going to say to advantage. Yes, to their advantage. When we we used to play with a dude who would, if anything was close, he would measure it, and 
as long as it was close, he would just push the ruling in whichever direction he wanted. Yeah. And that's shysty. I guess that's not really rules lawyering. That's just being a douche. <laughs> and maybe that's maybe that's why everyone stopped playing with him. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, oh, okay. But uh, a lot of it happened at tournaments. Yeah. There was that... that I don't know, man. People, people get really competitive. I don't know if it's that there aren't as many opportunities to go into tournaments for these kinds of games, uh, or at least not, not that I'm aware of. I'm not like plugged into any of the communities right now. Yeah. But I've, but uh, we, yeah, we, we, having people really, really kind of push meta things like untimed turns. If you ask them a question and they would, hum and haw for 10 or 15 seconds for something that you know they know and they can give you an yeah. answer but they're just being a dick yeah that that kind of thing is really frustrating um so uh for anybody who's not sure a time turn in a competitive scenario is exactly what it sounds like your turns are timed and once your time limit hits you have to uh forfeit the rest of your turn to the next player and that's that's a really really big deal in in competitive yeah, play, well, yeah. in these any tabletop games, it's usually a big deal. Yep. Uh, alternatively, <laughs> same with chess. Th- there was a dude <laughs> that we met who had, oh, it was like a tattoo on his forearm, and it, it was like at at all costs or at any cost or something like that. Victory, no matter the cost. I don't know what it was, but like, and he actually wasn't a a really shitty person to stand across the table from. Like, he, it was okay to do stuff with him. He was just super cold. And I guess I'm cold all the time, too, so I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know what? Ro- rules lawyers are douches, the ones who are worse than me. People who are cold are douches, at least the ones oh, who are colder than me. <laughs> this is not... It's, this is it was going funny. in a strange yeah. direction. Yeah. Uh, um, but, but, okay, so what's what's the story behind this gentleman? Uh, j- just that, like, he, he turned a lot of people off and just was kind of like he was really good and really competitive and kind of like just gloating over it over people like right kind of well like that penny arcade comic right uh, that's like oh is the, oh you brought these oh do you want to just call it right now like just just showed up and was like oh yeah i'm right. gonna shit i'm yeah. just like the i'm just gonna shit down your throat this game Oh, you did that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, whatever. I guess I'll just go. Yep. Okay, well, I'm going to go. Well, yeah, of course he died because, you know. <laughs> I think that sort of jumps into the pros and cons of the game. Yeah. There are some very hard counters to uh, uh, some lists. So sometimes you will choose something because you like it and not know that, in fact, somewhere out there, in the universe of this game, there is something that is designed to literally kill you. Um, and I think you could argue that skill can sort of offset that. And also in competitive play, I think you get to take a second caster and a second list. Um, yeah, the, there are a bunch of weird rules. There were often um, bigger tournaments. You would bring two lists. Yeah. You would be able to, <sighs> throughout the course of a tournament, say you'd play seven games, you would have to play each caster at least twice. 
and each caster with their list of whatever the army is you could also have a sideboard so you could swap something out yeah so th there's a little bit of this is my primary army there are a couple of things that uh, really mess me up and like there's a certain faction that uses that so I'm gonna choose this caster when I'm playing against them and if you're playing best of three say they do something that wrecks you know they have everything in their army turns out can dump all over one of your specific units then you can swap it out the next game that kind of thing yeah. but, it, but it is still yeah w with the rock paper scissors of so many different factions in the game every now and then it's just very clear who's the rock yeah and it's um and and yeah and that th there were games uh that you could walk to the table look across the table and i like i wish that this weren't true and this is sort of i would argue this is kind of a flaw in the game yes. um you could see that you were not going to win or you could look across the table and know that you were going to win um yeah. And that's uh, so that's sort of a con. Uh, there were some balancing issues. I have not played the latest version of this game. I don't know if those got ironed out. I'm going to have to assume that they at least worked on it. Uh, any good game developer would. Yeah, um, I, I've heard from the people that I know that are a little bit more plugged into the competitive side. I've heard nothing yeah. but good things about the third edition. Yeah, like so. my biggest issue right now with third edition is it's been drowned out by just uh, the in my local community just the the fervor for new 40k because the uh, new okay. uh warhammer 40k rule set so much is, improved yes it's so much improved from what came before it and they just keep releasing stuff and everybody's excited and everybody's jumping back into the the old uh the warhammer that they loved and you all get to take whatever you want mm -hmm. and sort of enjoy yourselves and it's it's an interesting uh sort of atmosphere and i just like i don't want to dismiss privateer press um because i mean i spent a lot of time in their world um and I really enjoyed it while I stayed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know I flip-flopped on armies. Uh, I, I bounced from Kador to Scorn to Minions. Gators back to yeah. Scorn. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. It was it was just one of those things. But um, I, I've always enjoyed the way that that game played. I feel like you and I could play that game in about an hour, maybe hour and a half. And have a great time. Um, and have a really good time. We had a, we played a lot of those. Um, and, man, as you got better, you got harder to beat. <laughs> <laughs> and my problem was I just kept switching stuff up. I've since learned, and this is a really valuable lesson, mm -hmm. um, I should not switch army compositions. I should stick to an army until I fully comprehend how to use it. And that is something that I, I very rarely do because I always just want to grab at the next tool. Yeah. Um, and I that means I never understand how to use the tools that I have. Um, and that was a big flaw for this game. Uh, just uh, analysis paralysis was never an issue for me. I just kept grabbing at stuff and never really figuring out how to use it. Okay. See, um, I, so, sorry, go ahead. I, I guess, to me, a lot of that came from the other big part of the game for me, which was theory crafting. So sitting down, looking at what units and armies stuff you have available and 
before you're even at the table coming up with a, a game plan like yeah like, that's uh armchair general yeah. sort of stuff yeah but it, in practice like when you actually bring it to the table and then use it and it works that way not a lot of people can do that successfully Stu. just as a heads up okay a lot of people think that they a lot of people think that they can recognize synergies um and how stuff is supposed to work but it takes someone with an actual grasp on game design and mechanics to successfully implement it and most people don't actually have that background so i'm not surprised that you were so good at it but like a good example is when i try to do it it doesn't go well <laughs> like i think i know how things are supposed to work and then i get them on the table and they don't oh. and either it's it's flawed uh flawed implementation on my part or i just completely misunderstood how stuff was supposed to work but do you uh, hmm do you still enjoy the theory crafting side of it though? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I'm like, but, but the, the, the big problem with that is if you're not good at it, you're really just blowing smoke up your own ass. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Like, um, and, and what, yeah, it's, it, here's where, th here's where things get difficult because like y what you should do before you get into a game um and you can't right like this it's it's impossible to do this what you should do is you should already be theory crafting before you even buy into the game you should be thinking about how stuff works you should have done a little bit of research you should have watched a few youtube videos of let's plays um and sometimes people just jump in like yeah and again like how can i say that that's the bad thing to do because i i don't think that it is no but some people take the armchair general to such a level that they actually buy an entire army then put it together before they even know how to use it they just think they know how to use it. yeah and uh, that's one of the biggest reasons most people say when you're getting into something like this go to the shelves like if you know you want to try a game go to the shelves and just take something off the wall that looks cool if, if, yeah. Like, if it's something brand new, if your buddies don't already have armies that you can kind of try out, get the thing that appeals to you visually. Because, you know what? You're going to be staring at it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, the the like, the again, the, the one downside to the older version of War Machine and Hard, Hordes was sometimes that one cool thing that you were interested uh, in what? had a hard counter. Yeah. yeah. And I, I um, think that's that's probably still the case. Yeah, what's it's I mean? Hard to avoid. Since um, since my days playing this game a lot, uh, like I I've since shifted over to uh, Dark Age uh, from Cool Mini or not, yeah. and that is one of those games where th there are people in that community that would argue this isn't the case that you can't just take what you want and win. But, I mean, as long as you're outside of the competitive scene, it, it's a real viability. Oh, yeah. Like, you can just sort of build stuff that you want. And uh, as long as you're doing it for fun, man. Like, and, and that's something to remember. Like, competitive play versus just casual fun play between friends is just such a different experience. I don't blame people for wanting to get into competitive play. I've wanted to do it quite a few times yeah. for different games. It just exposes you to a bunch of different tactics and really sort of forces you to push the reset button on what you thought you knew about the game. You also learn a lot. Yes. You learn that maybe you were doing things wrong that you didn't even realize you were doing wrong. Uh, just because when you're in a circle of friends, you all get this one interpretation of a rule. Yeah. Um, and it might be wrong. <laughs> yeah. and it's, It might be wrong. And it is fascinating to see those. Yeah. 
Um, when you build so your list like, around something that's wrong <laughs> <laughs> and you show up at a tourney, Whoops, you're going to have yeah. a bad day. But I mean, it, mm. it's still fun, right? It's and, and, oh, and it's always fun. Like, uh, you asked me for good and bad things about experiences with people at tournaments and I only said the bad ones, but a lot, a lot of people are just, just really, really good. And uh, yeah. like at tournaments often, like they're often held in stores, the store owners will be there. Some of the store liaisons will be there. Uh, community reps from whatever game you're playing should be there. And usually there are enough cool people, enough helpful people, enough sociable people that the experience as a whole will be good and you'll have good games against against people who are not just good players and can teach you things about the game, but are also socialites. And like you, you just, you'll have a good time. You could go to a bar with them and have a good time. Like it's just the way it goes. <laughs> Take them out on a date. Well, you don't have to go <laughs> quite that far. I just mean yeah. like it'll be good as a whole tournamenting. I, I, it sounded like I was shitting on it before, and I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. want to give that impression. No, there, yeah, there's a reason that competitive play is exists for all of these miniature games, and it's uh, the, the when it's good, it's really good. Some mm. sometimes there is a little bit of a toxic atmosphere to some aspects of it, but as Stuart suggested, like most game reps, uh, and these are volunteers half the time and by half the time i mean almost all the time 90 percent of the yeah. time yeah they're they're volunteers um they they'll they'll represent the game they will represent the organization that that creates the game and they will try their hardest to support the community and if you are a new member of that community they they're will, on you yeah they will do yeah. stuff for you they will help you out um and just most people it turns out i don't know if you know this most people actually aren't assholes and if you just if you're in a thing like you have this shared hobby, uh, people are friendly and excited about yeah. it, right? Like that's uh, that's that's the big yeah. deal. Um, it it's really 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 cool. Makes me a little bit sad because working remotely, removed from everyone, <laughs> <laughs> in a town where people only play 40k. Uh, oh come on, I, there's um, got to be. It's a big enough town. <laughs> Somebody's playing. Uh, yeah, hearts. well, yeah, but the problem is there's only one. There's only one game store, and that game store sells one game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right? And that one game is 40k, yeah. um, which is okay. I mean, I may be building a 40k army. I'm not saying one way or the other. Um, but yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so I would say cons. I may have actually just touched on on one or yeah. two of them. Like balancing was an issue in the last version. I haven't touched third, so unfortunately, yeah. I can't speak to it. Um, but, uh, another thing is finding opponents. If you're in a place where you can't find an opponent for the game, even though the game may look cool, you might just want to save your yeah. money. Make sure you got someone to play against. Otherwise, I mean, yeah. most people have a friend. If your friend wants to play, go in on a battle box or two together. I mean, some, yeah, of, that's some, a really some of the battle boxes yeah. actually do come with two starter armies, armies. in them. So that's, that's a standard, uh, format now, actually for most battle boxes. Oh. Um, yeah, like oh, cool. um, 40k does it. Uh, Dark Age for cool mini or not does it. Uh, War Machine does it, D don't they? War Machine uh, and Hordes. War Hordes got, was uh, the first one I that I was aware of. I I wasn't really. I didn't give a shit about anything else. But yeah, no, that's fair. It's the first um, one that I knew did that. So. 
Yeah, and it's it's actually really nifty. Um, it uh-huh. means that there's a higher percentage of those two factions in a community generally because, but yeah. it also means that everybody knows that. A little and, bit, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, and they can all help each other out, which is yeah. nice. Um, and I think we've really kind of touched on on the pros as well. I I'm, I feel like I'm missing something, but I don't know what. Oh, but I, I also yeah, feel like maybe we're starting there's, to. There's lots. The the other big con to me is. Oh man, rolling two d six to see what happens. There's oh like, if if you're math minded, oh, I just I hate you. dice so much. I really do. Two d six, man. Oh, oh, I hate it. <laughs> I live in the world of d twenty now, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's it oh, is. That's bananas. gotta be rough. I I mean, it's just different calculations all the time. But uh, yeah, I know two d six is gonna be better than one d six, but it's still. Man, hot dice versus uh, cold dice is a really frustrating thing. To, like even to see, like for both players, it's it's really frustrating. Statistically speaking, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. No, it's not. Um, you play enough, it happens, and everyone knows it happens, and it's just kind of a yeah. okay. Well, that that game was just a flop, and but you're not going to get around that on tabletop. So no, no, it's that's always going to be there. We keep coming. We keep coming back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, hey. Um, um, yes. So, uh, the dice gods are a thing. So, so other takeaways. I think, like educationally, there's there's something about a the just working with those probabilities. You know, like to figure out what your best course of action is going to be. Yeah. But there's also a lot of, uh, to me, the theory crafting side is really heavy. But even just the deployment, the movement through the game understanding like being able to visually recognize distances and some of that i don't know my understanding the values of different i don't know it's really soft data right <laughs> yeah. being able to interpret yeah. really soft data like it's almost always a disadvantage to get attacked first but maybe you can find a way to make it look okay to yeah. the opponent where you actually there's a lot of one oh yeah so basically you set up a trap and, yeah and then people charge and then you counter charge and you win and you see what happens yeah yeah um for me one of the other big takeaways and one of like something that i love learning i am such a lore and narrative kid mm. Um, but also, uh, I like seeing how systems work. So whenever I get into a new game for tabletop, whether it's uh, like tabletop RPG or skirmish game or war game, like um, usually I'm only coming to it because I'm interested in the aesthetic and I'm interested in the story. Yeah. And Brian Steele, uh, I came into the game when he wrote, um, I, I believe it was Prime, uh, War Machine Prime, and I read through that the the core book and i was Solid. just blown away yeah. it was so good it was i mean uh, sure there are cliches all over the place but like it's it's a game right mm-hmm. like it's a game that's designed to provide you with like these stark powerful characters uh that really stand out um and then just like the the crazy weapons that they surround themselves with and it worked and uh, mm-hmm. so, like, w- one of the best 
best parts of a uh, getting into a miniature game or getting into any kind of game like this is just getting lost in the lore. Like, if you know that you're going to be dwelling in that world for a while, why not enjoy it? Yeah. Um, and also reading the rules. <laughs> reading the <laughs> rules is a big a deal. Thing. Um, you will learn that if you don't read the rules, um, people get a little more frustrated with you. So just, uh, I, I encourage you, if you're going to in, invest in a miniature game, to just take the yeah. time to learn the, game the mechanics. And if you're not, you don't have to memorize every page. You know, like when people know that you're new to the game, they'll generally be patient with you. Yeah, and what's great is you learn through play. Yeah. Um, if you're not great at reading a rule book, the more you play, the more you understand, the more you learn, which is where the value of actually doing competitive stuff comes in because then you actually get exposed to the stuff you were doing wrong. Yeah. Um, and that's that's interesting. Like That's an, an organic form of learning. Like Learning through play um, is just such... An interesting experience not everybody really understands what it is um just because this is a hobby that not a lot of people well i'm not going to say it's a minority hobby but it's a niche hobby right not everybody yeah. does it not everybody will be exposed yeah. to it um but uh, that's the same for also tabletop rpgs like just learning through play like you you might have a player who struggles at first but then eventually gets the mechanics and is ends up being good at it and able to inform other people on how to play so yeah that's that's a really cool aspect of the game. Um, hmm. Hmm. Any other takeaways, quick? Um, dealing with people, financial management, various assembly painting skills, skills on the game, social skills. Uh, I don't know. I personally, I could I could probably talk about theory crafting for an hour. Yeah, I don't know if we should. No, <laughs> no, we shouldn't. But it it's it's one of those things where like it's a it's a bunch of rules and it's a bunch of numbers and it's a bunch of stats. And if that's your if that's your bag, it's it's the place, man. Go yeah. go and do that thing. It is awesome. <laughs> it is just so cool. Oh, and stupid. and just to to sit down and and you know every now and then like just you're riding the bus. And you get a spark of an idea for an army, and you sit down and you go, "How is this gonna? How can I make this work?" And you spend 15 minutes putting crap together, and then you hit the table, and you crush somebody with some idea, and everything just oh like God, goes flawlessly. It's really cool. Uh, it's really neat. That to see was that. that was like one of the weird joys that I didn't realize at the time was you had a knack for identifying how things should work together, like the synergy in um in units and i mean most faction books are pretty small so it's not hard to recognize it if you take the time to dwell in the actual mechanics of it but um like when i played against you i played against such diverse armies um and you would like they all just leaned into the aesthetics because <laughs> you sort of min maxed in a way that would cripple me um but uh yeah, it was it was always interesting because you would just you would just lean into it, you would figure it out so quickly, and then I would just be left at a loss. Like when I remember when you picked up Ron, and those <laughs> uh, those um, battle mages. arcane yeah yeah the oh, battle I mages, love them. and you were just pulling my guys because they were magician. Well, they were uh, magic users. Their ability was they could pull stuff around, and you just pulled my guys around like ragdolls, ripped my formations apart, and then just struck at the heart of my army. 
Like it was nuts. <laughs> it was nuts. And like you did it and you knew exactly what you were doing. And I'm just like, oh, that happened. <laughs> this never happened before. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Because I, I think I was playing, um, it was uh, Barnabas. So like I was playing this alligator man. So like imagine like all these grizzled, like cold blooded killer alligators <laughs> just like crawl out of the swamp ready to eat like these delicious space elves. elves. And the elves just, like, do all these arcane gestures, and these huge, hulking, like, gator men just flip on their backs, fly off into the distance, and he, and, like, then, like, the lord of the elves just pulls my lord in, knocks him to the ground, and then all of his dudes just pummel him to death. <laughs> it was, like, it was almost traumatizing. Like, that was, uh, yeah, that was a quick and brutal game. Um... <laughs> So yes, I can understand why you would enjoy theory crafting. You are it, quite good at it. It's wonderful. It's it's so much fun. It really is. Oh, it was fun being beaten by you so often, Stu. Okay, um, you know what? I think maybe we should uh, just for the sake of getting through the night, uh, <laughs> we should maybe shift to the next section. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, War Machine and Hordes. That was that was a good talk. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, I th- I th- I think so. And uh, so you just had the three factions, right? Because you just had the what was there? Never mind. Don't worry about it. Never mind. Are you all right? Yep. Okay. Um, I'll just just quick. I'll run them down for you. All right. So started Kador, sold mm. it. Um, played Scorn, and then shifted into minions. And then shifted back into Scorn and sprinkled minions in because my favorite Scorn caster is uh, that that fat Minion guy who rides on a disc yeah. and loves using the Gator Men. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Um, it made some expensive choices. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's Hard what not I did. To. And yeah. whereas you were trolls and elves, Yeah, you? I started with the elves and then went into trolls at some point. Who and were, you were good with who both. Who were great, but the trolls were really neat. Yeah, they were. They were simpler. They were easier, I found. But yeah, more straightforward. Yeah. Whereas you had to have a little more finesse. Yeah. It's interesting. You started with the finesse army first, and then went to the uh, the the troll blood motto is axe to face, and yeah. that's that's pretty much that that's what they do, all the time, yeah. and they do it well. It's fun. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I th- yeah. think. Yeah, I think. We are going to shoot into the next section, which is what can you teach us? So we have an email from Jeff, which was from the last episode, but there were some recording issues. So I think yeah, I've got it up. Here you've got yeah. it up. Um, did you want to read it out loud? Sure. Okay, go right ahead. Uh, hi, Stone Chase. I recently got caught up on episode ten eleven, and thought I would send you an email. What really got me thinking was you guys talking about loot crates and using a gambling mechanic to drain money from people. Well, I think that the ethics of this are troublesome at best. I think the whole dynamic will also make games worse. I haven't found that the blockbuster titles focusing on multiplayer combat has let them get away with... Sorry, I have found that the blockbuster titles focusing on multiplayer combat has let them get away with simpler storytelling in their single-player campaigns. The campaign can feel like an elaborate tutorial on controller mechanics and gun options, with loot crates, I fear that the writers are going to focus even less on storytelling and focus on ways to get to get you to want to roll the light, roll the dice on a new crate. Also, it's fun to 
plan your playing tactics, <gasps> like theory crafting, and choose your gear accordingly. Uh, who wants to play my random stuff is better than your random stuff? Anyway, I wish game developers would spend more time developing interesting stories and let that be the way they make their money. Stories matter. Stories can teach us about things beyond our own experiences. Like movies, some are full of explosions and barely worth the price of popcorn, while others are worth spending time and money on. I appreciate that you guys spend time talking about some of the more interesting choices in gaming. I think I'll have to check out Payday 2 soon. Oh, Because that, that's good. Uh, take care and happy gaming! <laughs> From Jeff. Oh, that's very nice. Um, who? Betty uh, is totally. I right guess there. there's not. Re- Sorry. Yeah, I guess there's yeah. not. Re- <laughs> yeah, I guess there's not really a question in there, right? It's more uh-huh. just. Um, more just sort of talking points. Yeah. Uh, well. Just also, thank you, Jeff, for writing it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm just. Uh, it, uh, Blockbuster mm. Todd was focusing on multiplayer. And doing less storytelling. Uh, it, it, yeah, it, it's unfortunate. It's kind of almost, it's almost given rise to a storytelling genre. Like you mentioned, the walking simulators earlier, like that kind of thing. Or, uh, I guess games with really tight storytelling tend to stand out a little bit more. I, yeah, I, they do now. I, for yeah, sure. I, I hate to go back to Life is Strange again, but I'm throwing it out there. You're you're welcome to. I still haven't played it. <laughs> I would like to. I still haven't played it. I it, it, I missed it. I missed it on Steam sale. Oh, God wait, I should have bought it for you. Sorry. Oh no, it's okay. You you don't need to buy me every game that I'm supposed to be playing. <laughs> no, but that one you that one you should as if, uh, having a vested interest in narrative. I think it's a good thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's there's. I mean, at least we're starting to see a little bit of backlash in different communities about, with loot boxes and the way they're managed. And but yeah, well, but, I mean, I've I've heard that uh, what is it, Battle Battlefront Two? Yeah, the narrative campaign oh, in that is garbage. Yeah, um, is garbage, and it's it's really and, also. And I mean, same we with, knew same it with was supposed sh- to be a multiplayer game, but like there was potential. You have you have a Star Wars property. You have so much potential to make a good story, an engaging story yeah. in Star Wars. Yeah, where people are um, interested in the lore. Yeah, like, vastly interested. And the same thing with the uh, the Lord of the Rings, Sh- uh, Shadow of Mordor, or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, Shadow of Mordor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. or Shad- no, Shadow of War. This Shadow time of around. War this time. Yeah, was yeah. trashed for it. It was, and that that didn't even have multiplayer, did it? That was a single-player game, littered it's with loot crates. It's supposed to be single-player experience. Yeah, garbage. And uh, weird, it's weird. it's really I don't know. It's it's hard. F- it as a company, I can understand. It's hard to say no to that kind of thing, and I guess the the other f- the devil's advocate of that would be at, before loot crates. I, how many games were there that had really good writing? Uh, yeah. Um, hmm, hmm, hmm. Uh, like, whereas I'm just like I see that loot crates are just shitty. It's, it's well, they're shitty, yes, but it's money, yeah. right? Yeah, it's money making. It's just it's and it's also like I've tried to explain this to a few people, but it's it's the gaming industry at its core. 
right? And I'm not saying like the the artist gamers. It's um, the industry uh, at its core. Yeah, it's the industry. It, It like that is the gaming industry. And if you think that they're in it to make these beautiful games, the actual corporations are not. Yeah. Right. Who knows what kind of toxic, crazy atmosphere the people who are actually working on uh, Battlefront Two were actually in. Uh, yeah. were, were in. I've heard some some horror stories yeah. uh, off of different podcasts about like ju- just these weird sort of situations and the the unusual type of pressure uh, to, to produce. And I'm I'm assuming EA is not a great place to work, I, and it hasn't been a great place to work for a while. I'd be surprised if there is a triple A in existence. I guess other than Valve, because you don't have to make anything. You don't have to make <laughs> games anymore. <laughs> no, you just show up and make a really good sales platform. But they, I guess the the single A, the double A, the indie, the indie dev scene, those labors of love. Like, I, where did Undertale come from? Because that. <laughs> That was crazily <laughs> praised too, it's, as being like it's an indie development. Yeah, and and that was like a fantastic experience for like people hadn't seen anything like that. And, uh, I don't know the, the the right. Have you? I haven't. Have you played Undertale? No, I haven't. And people are gonna throw okay. shit at me for that every time I say I, it. No, that's fine. I played. I played Undertale. I didn't really like it. Oh, um, okay. I I was interested in the potential for the stories. Uh, story. Uh, there's more than one way to play it, of course. Yeah. But um, uh, I can I can totally agree. I can see the merit in in that game. It just it was not definitely not uh, for me. Mm-hmm. But there are other games out there. Uh, I would argue uh, again. Haven't had time to finish it, but Axiom Verge. I was really digging uh, where that game was going, and that was a labor of love. Right. Yeah. That's the Metroidvania yeah. made for fun. Um, but like an original IP and I really, really liked how that was going. Like you had, um, you had a protagonist that was actively trying to engage with the environment around him, just trying, like basically sucked out of his own world and put into this crazy situation and like openly questioning, (laughs) almost like fourth wall breaking, like why are why am I fighting you? Why am I fighting you? <laughs> like can we just talk? Yeah, you just yeah. you just said a bunch of stuff and now you're attacking me. Yeah. Um, all wrapped up in a Metroidvania, um, and that was refreshing. That's interesting. Uh, there, hmm. I guess like the the flip side of it, and this is uh, again a game I haven't played yet but I keep getting told that I should, is I hear that Breath of the Wild, I, like, I don't know how much narrative is in that, mm, but, okay. like, even just the design yeah. tells a story. Yeah. Um, and uh, that that is hard to pull off. Yeah. But, like, some AAA take the time to actually build the worlds and make them interesting to engage with, and then some AAA just want to cash in on loot boxes. Yeah. And I, I think the the third chunk of that email is that stories can teach us about things beyond our own experiences. And I think that 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 might be where there's a little bit more merit in gaming, where you do a lot of the writing in video games is really crap. And even in the single A and double A, even where people try to make decent stories, they're kind of not always, or like mediocre writing (laughs) or whatever. But at least the experiences are there. 
Yes, the and the experiences are such a big part of it, right? And, like and, uh, for most people, this is an escape, yeah, uh, an escape and sort of a uh, an unwind, yeah. uh, if you will, right? Like this is uh, therapeutic, but that doesn't mean that it can't also be a way to expose yourself to new experiences. Yeah. Um, and there are these opportunities are only getting better, um, and more varied as time goes on. Uh, and th- that's sort of like the walking simulator kind of experiences that you can encounter. Yeah. But also just, um, I mean, uh, for me, the closest example I have right now is like a Mario Odyssey, like going into these fantastic worlds that you would never, like never imagine on your own and engaging with them, yeah. right? Uh, immersing yourselves in them and engaging with them. Um, if you're a JRPG fan, getting lost in those worlds, right? If you're a Skyrim fan. Yeah. Or a Bethesda fan getting lost in, <coughs> excuse me, Fallout 4, any of that stuff. Yep. Uh, it It's, uh, there are rich, yeah. very filled, very busy worlds. And we live in a time where uh, they all want you to explore them. And then we also have worlds that are pay gated <laughs> and loot boxed. So, so- so is there, is the strongest experience-based stuff, would you, is it safe to say that that's often emergent gameplay then? Like, like, Sorry, uh, because, define okay, emergent Okay, so, so again. there's stuff like uh, The Last of Us where you have this relationship between two characters that's well-written and well-done and, and it was praised uh, and it was... I think most people enjoyed the game mechanically, blah, 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 blah. It was, it was good. Last of Us was good. Everyone's looking forward to Last of Us 2. But that's when it's scripted like that, it still feels more story-y. Rather, it's a little bit less personal than emergent gameplay, which is something that just kind of happens due to the mechanics of the game. Like, it, it's, it's a story that develops out of the mechanics of the game more than anything else. So... Right, and I, I know what you mean. Like, I, I understand what you're getting L- at like now. Like, kind um, of finding a place in a sandbox where just the way things happened out, like, it was a... <laughs> Shadow of the Colossus is a good example of that, I think. you Because you've only got, you've got, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, eight buttons that you can use. Um, you're in a world... Nobody talks. There's a horse. You have a sword. Go. Yeah, but it, I, I guess what I mean more is like the kind of stuff that comes out of Daisy, where you can kill a dude or you can team up with him, and the story that comes out of that can go anywhere. <laughs> that or PUBG now. Well, if, yeah. If you want. Yeah. Sorry. I should <laughs> That's more. Keep, keep, yeah, keep more it timely. contemporary. Yeah, um, yeah, but uh, yeah. I yeah, I, I know what you mean. Um, and I, 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 I yeah, don't know. And what's weird is a lot of people are killing each other right now, <laughs> right? Like, like between uh, PUBG and all, like uh, the, these murder simulators are pretty popular. Yeah, yeah like, I know. Cannot wait to get those chicken dinners. Um, I know, I know. We opened the episode with, you know, people are playing Stardew Valley because man, they want a home. Of their but own. they also but man, do they ever people. want to murder the shit out of everybody they see? <laughs> oh yeah, 
just I know PUBG, Over, Overwatch Kyle. is doing well still, right? <laughs> yeah, Overwatch. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Of course, oh, it's a Blizzard game. It's gonna be around forever. Yeah, uh, yeah between Overwatch and uh, a lot of, and PUBG, of, they've solidified a lot, a lot that the shooter crates. genre isn't going anywhere. A lot of loot yeah. crates going around. Yeah, I, I I I don't know. It's it's hard to it's hard to say where emergent gameplay comes from too. I mean, like Ultima Online had a bunch, but that was a pretty open world. I don't know. Story. That's okay. I, I don't know either. I don't know if you know. We don't get paid to know. <laughs> we're just we're just here fumbling mm-hmm. at it. So, uh, I mean, that said, thank you, Jeff, yeah. for your email. Yeah. Um, and uh, if there was anything that we sort of touched on that you want us to elaborate on, yeah, feel free let us to. Know. Yeah, feel and free we'll, to email us back. We'll and anybody else who's listening, anybody yeah. else who's listening. Just uh, send us an email in if you want any kind of clarification or if you want to ask us uh, a completely different and unrelated email at learnfromgamingpaidcast. Pa- at learn from Not ga- paidcast. At learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. Um, so, yeah. Again, thank you, Jeff, for your email. Yeah. Sorry it took us so long to get around to it, but uh, we did. Yeah, well, you know we what? We liked it. it so much. We did it twice. Yeah, we did it twice and lost one of them. Um <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's shoot into our next section. Yeah. Stu, what have we been playing? So what have you been playing? Hmm. Well, lately, I've been playing. We did another little smite day with AU Gamers, so that was fun. Um, <laughs> you play so much smite. I try to, yeah. <laughs> you play so yeah. much. Yeah. But uh, we bounce into a little bit of Hero Siege again. They fixed their multiplayer. It's worth checking out if you like Diablo clones. Um, okay. It's it. The, is that it's the 2D, uh, it's, Greek it's pixel one? art? No, not the Greek one. I oh no, 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 no! Sorry. Uh, yes, I know what you're talking about. It, I bought it and a bunch of expansions for it <clears throat> so that I could play with you and never did. Oh. Well, it's a mediocre game. It's worth checking out if you can get it cheap. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I did get it cheap. Oh, That's, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did get it cheap. Uh, we had a bunch of people pick up Ghost Recon because that was on cheap as well. So yeah. I've been playing a little bit of that. Uh, s- closest similarity, I would say, Metal Gear Solid Five, uh, without the bases, and mm. without the Metal Gear style. It it's like it it has the feel of a Tom Clancy game. It's it's dirty, gritty kind of thing, rather than yeah, you know, hiding in cardboard boxes. Uh, and I also actually tried Shadow Tactics, because I really. I'm dying for a stealth game, and that's the freaking closest I could find. That's a turn-based. Nope. Uh, sh- no, that's <laughs> it's the real time. It's kind of like the old Commandos games, where you have a group of samurai and you're trying to sneak through. Yeah, I was gonna say like samurai and ninja, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, I thought that was turn-based. Uh, it has kind of a semi-pause function can, to oh, it. Oh, you can. Yeah, so you can. Kind yeah, of pause so it. Okay. You, you can sort of. You can set, you can pause it and assign commands, and then get it going again. Do you like it? Uh, it's it's <laughs> it it's good. I I didn't enjoy the Commando games a ton, and it's just it's very very similar to them. It it okay. It's okay. It's good if you like those games. Uh, yeah. If you enjoy having a small group, like two to five characters, that you're 
putzing around with being sneaky and ah, there's something about the the top down that kills it for me in stealth games like when you have that god view it really really wrecks the tension for me you know? okay but you oh. still bought it i did because again it was cheap and it's the best stealth game reportedly that's been out for ages you know, okay. recently, so I scooped, scooped it to give it a shot, to give it a fair try, and then <laughs> okay. I'm just not super enthused, but that's Okay, me. well, cool. Um, yeah. I can't promise I will buy that game. I it, I think it was on my wish list, uh, but I also thought it was a turn-based strat, so shame on <laughs> yeah, me. way to go. Um, there, cool. there you go, there you uh, go, yeah. That's, that's, the, the, those are the things, those are the things. Okay, cool. Um, so I already mentioned I was playing Stardew Valley. Um, um, covering out my own little chunk of land. I've got a grand master plan. <laughs> Basically, I want to make a winery. Uh, Sweetberry winery. Um, maybe a peach winery. I'm not sure One yet. One of each. Um, I, I, I really like the idea of like a peach winery or something. Just making like this sweet wine and then selling it to people. Um but that takes time and it takes effort and it takes a lot of negligence of other aspects of that game so um i'm almost through uh because it runs through seasons so i'm almost through the spring season the first spring there was this nice cutesy little dance where you're supposed to sort of start pairing up with whoever and what's nice about the game is you can pair up with guys you can pair up with girls it doesn't matter just love who you Mm -hmm. love and have a good time um, nobody loves Chase, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a dance and asked boys and girls to dance with me, and no, no one danced one with you. To. And it's because I've been neglecting the people in the uh, town nobody likes in you. order to make money. And uh, guess what? Just like in real life, I have no friends. <laughs> you need more money then. <laughs> yeah, I know. Once I have the money, then I make the friends. <laughs> then my grandfather comes back and tells me I'm doing a great job. Oh, um, is that how that goes? Yeah, three three years in, yes. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I'm just going to keep working and making money. I'm going to keep <laughs> neglecting people in the town. And eventually I'll be able to afford all the presents I need to buy to my friends. people. Because yeah. um, that's how that game yeah, works. Gotta... And, yeah, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Uh, because my sweet berry wine will sell like hotcakes um, and make me a lot of money. And yeah, and once I do that, I will probably never go back to that game, but uh it it's been fun. It's been fun so far. Um in its own sort of grindy little way. Uh the other game that I played was Mario Rabbids. I just picked it up. I haven't uh, spent enough time with it to talk about okay. it. Uh turn-based uh XCOM style game f- uh with a Mario twist. Yeah. So I guess we'll see how that goes. So far it's been all right. Yeah. Um it's nice being able to launch your uh, teammates like acrobatics into the air. You can't do that in XCOM nope. um, without shooting a rocket at them. And then they ragdoll and they're not really yeah, alive anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then uh, also kept playing Mario Odyssey, uh, opened up a few new worlds. That was a lot of fun. It's interesting that the, that the map branches. I, I like that that's an <laughs> option. Spoiler, the map branches. <laughs> <laughs> Well done. <laughs> Shit. Um, sorry, everybody. Uh, if you haven't played that game, uh, the the maps branch. Snape um, kills Dumbledore. Snape kills Dumbledore. Uh, other than that, I started playing with this weird app on my phone called 
Habitica, uh, our friend, well, my friend Kyle Betts, uh, mentioned it one day, and I was just like, you know what, I'm going to check it out. And it's uh, it's a task manager mm-hmm. that is an RPG. So you level up by completing tasks, and it's all completely arbitrary. <laughs> but it's just this, it's just this cute little task manager with an RPG skin on it that has ways of engaging with other people so you can like party up and keep uh, like keep each other on track um, okay and encourage yeah basically like encourage people to do stuff so um, one of the things I added as like a positive thing or negative thing is like uh, there's a junk food or eat healthy meter and if you eat junk food you down tick so you start to lose HP yeah. If you eat something healthy, you uptake, you get more experience, stuff like that. Uh, there's also daily stuff. So I've got, like, daily hygiene stuff. I've yeah. got uh, just da- daily, like, job stuff and then daily home chore stuff. Um, and you can j- make as many of those as you want, as many responsibilities. You create them yourself. Um, it's it's interesting. It, so it's, like, a, a, another way to grind yeah, it's <laughs> in the, my it's life. It's gamification of, yeah. Yeah, and it is literally it refers it's to neat. itself as uh, gamification, and it's um it's something that like people joked about in TED talks about five to ten years ago, <laughs> and now it exists. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's uh it's interesting. So I wanted to like engage with it and get an opinion on it. And presently, the opinion is positive. I've only had it for two days. We'll see if I want to stick to yeah. it or if I sort of let it slide. But uh, right now I'm having fun nice. with it. So And I'm doing it with other people. That, so. Yeah, and that probably helps a ton. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. Um, so Habitica, it's uh, it's an app. It's on I, iOS and it's also on Android. And you can play it through a server or no, through a, through a browser if you want. It's all over the place. And it's cross-platform so everybody can play with everybody. Yeah. And it... It is literally a task manager. That's what it is. So yeah. <laughs> just letting you know. And that's it for me. So I think we can shift into a close. So I'm going to start by saying thank you, uh, our audience, for listening to yeah. us. If you got to this point, then thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, we hope you enjoyed yourselves. Uh, we threw a, kind of a curveball at you today. But if you've read the show notes, then you'll knew, you'll have known that that's exactly what was going to happen. Um, so, Stu, do you have anything to plug quick for this week before we go? Um, the only other thing I'm aware of actually going on right now is my World Championships are actually this weekend. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Sorry, I just, like, your life is it's, Smite. It's, it's so the funny. closest I get to gaming is Smite. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um that's so I, funny. I, I probably have, like, I haven't played. You. I probably I'm haven't ju- played in a week. But <laughs> I'm just so I'm just so happy that you have such a rich history of other games that you played prior to discovering Smite because I feel like that's all you've played since. Oh, I I I've actually played two or three other games, a little bit this week and no Smite. Yeah, and yeah. I don't have the shakes, uh, so that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, anything uh, else? Or no, is that it? That's 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 all I've got today. Okay, uh, so then I think I'm gonna plug uh, I'm gonna pl- plug Fred Rojas and Gaming History 101. Um, I think people will know this by now, but uh, basically, Gaming History 101 is starting to scale back its production in favor of playing games, which Stu, I think you can relate yeah. to. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, so Fred has has made it very clear that he wants to not do a podcast every single week, but instead take some time and actually play games and engage with them and develop informed opinions before actually producing content. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, in fact, I, I encouraged him to do it when he vetted the idea <laughs> to me when we recorded way back in the day. Um, I said, that is an awesome idea. He was going to do it anyway, yeah, yeah. but I just, I definitely encouraged him because I would like to play more games yeah. myself. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Like do it. Um, so yeah, Fred, uh, keep doing what you do. Your gaming history 101 stuff is awesome. Also, I don't know if you knew this, uh, but he does like a cron CD thing, which is uh, he's working on um, cataloging every game on CD, which is ambitious. Every, sorry, every game, every console game on CD. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Less ambitious now that I put it it's that way. Still, <laughs> still ambitious. Yeah. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, he's got a few episodes out. He recently got a piece of hardware called a frame Meister from Japan, uh, which, uh, is going to allow him to capture stuff even easier and more clear. And it's going to look really, really nice. good. So he's excited to start up, uh, doing that again. And I'm excited to see what yeah, he produces. That sounds awesome. Um, and all, all that stuff is on his, uh, his YouTube. So if you want to see any of, uh, the, the first few episodes, I think he's got four up right now. Um, he's, he should have number five up in some time, maybe even by the time you are all listening to this, <laughs> who knows? Um, it, it took him a little while to make the first few episodes, but now he's sort of on yep. a roll. Um, next thing I want to suggest, uh, want to shout out is Logan, the film <laughs> 2017. <laughs> I I didn't get a lot of chances to go out and see movies yeah. um, while my child was growing up for the yeah, first year of life. Um, so I missed this in theaters, and I watched it at home by myself secretly, and it hit me in all the right places, fast and hard. Yeah. yeah. Well, man, I'm like I'm a huge X Men fan. I I, I read X Men comics growing up, and wow, this movie this movie was just such an unexpected surprise. Everybody said it was good. Nobody spoiled it for me, um, and it was it was a good ride. So if you like X Men, if you like Wolverine at all, uh, I would definitely encourage watching that movie. Uh, very fitting. Very fitting. Uh, and to uh, Hugh Jackman's run as Wolverine. So he has he's stated publicly that he has no intention of doing any more Wolverines. So it was it was a nice it was a nice close for, right. for that one. Um, and lastly I want to thank Joe Gottley, who's our art guy. Yeah. Um, so thanks again. Uh, really digging the art. Uh, I have <laughs> I have cropped numerous other images out of the image that we already have so uh thank you very much i do appreciate everything that you do um so other than that if uh if you want to know or if you want to know more yeah if you want to know more about the learn from gaming podcast because i'm reading off a sheet of paper uh we've we've got all kinds of social media stuff going on so we've got facebook we've got twitter we've got our website at learnfromgaming.com uh for all those other social outlets just look for learn from gaming we pop up you'll recognize the logo um and um we're on a bunch of different uh sound outlets now which is so awesome so again we're on google sound we're on itunes 
Uh, you can, I, th I think the only one who doesn't work, I don't know, I haven't tried Alexa yet, because I don't know anybody who has an Amazon Alexa. I wonder if you can say, please play Learn From Gaming Podcast. Uh, but for iTunes, it definitely will work, and for a Google Home, it'll work. It's so That's, that's really awesome. cool. It's that's so, so much cool. fun. It's so yeah. much fun. Um, uh, yeah, makes me feel famous, even though, no, <laughs> <laughs> not at all, not even internet famous, but, uh, still it's pretty fun. It's, it, I yeah. love it. And, uh, yeah, man, I think, I think that's really it. Um, so just thank you everybody for, for tuning in today. Stu, do you have anything else to say before we close off? Uh, no, no generic. Thank you. And, uh, keep on being awesome. Keep on being yeah. awesome.